What's up, everybody? Welcome to Bomb City Locker Room Talk. And as always, this is James Fairchild. This is Aaron Pena. And you're listening to Locker Room Hype. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So on today's slate, we're going to begin with a little bit of hype out of the baseball world. Aaron? Baseball is back. How so? But not in this country right now. If you are a baseball fan like me, you're going to be watching some Korean baseball. What? Exactly, man. Right now, Korean baseball is being played on ESPN. If you're uh, you know, a late owl, you know, you're up about 2 to about 6 o'clock in the morning, you can sit around on ESPN and watch Korean baseball. What have you noticed has been significantly different from the Korean game versus the American MLB? Well, you know, of course, I mean – they they do have a couple variety of players on there, mostly are Korean. Uh, talk, listening to the the commentators today, uh, I watched the the Dulcin versus the LG team. I don't know where they're at. Just something that I decided to start watching. But they made a very very good comparison about Korean baseball and how it's almost exactly like the major leagues here in America. I did notice that they're going to try to complete a 144-game schedule, the KBO is, which is the name of their league, um, despite a late start to the season. Do you think they'll get through all 144 games? I, I, I don't think so. I mean, that's quite a few. That's quite, I mean, that's a lot of games, you know, and especially, you know, you got to give your teams, you know, some rest, you know, a day or two rest here and there. I mean, because you you lead up to injuries – and then at the same time, your players won't perform into the the level they're supposed to. I mean, uh, I would like to see I like to see Americans get behind this Korean baseball, kind of support them at this time. I mean, who knows when the American baseball is going to come back? Right now, they the push is July first, but yet it is still in the talks. Right, and you make a good point because the MLB are paying really close attention to what's going on with the KBO. The KBO's success or failure could be an indication of how the MLB moves forward with their season, which, you, like you said, it could be July 1st or at the end of June. So as of right now, KBO have rules put in place due to COVID-19 include temperature checks, um, players twice a day have to go through that. Can you imagine having to go through that twice a day? It's worth it. I mean, if you're an athlete and you're ready to play ball, heck yeah, it's worth it. I mean, yes, there's nobody in the crowd, but man, it's really nothing. You know, with baseball, you don't have to have a big crowd. I mean, yes, it's great. You kind of get the hype and everything, and it's fun. But in baseball, you know, you still need to focus. You need to make sure that you're on your A game and not getting distracted by the whistles and the blow uh, the blowers there in Korea. Because I mean, they Korean baseball they take it very very serious. I mean, they they sell out a lot of their stadiums. I mean, it's a, a national sport there. And so the people there I know are supporting them. And I think we should get behind them and support them too and show that, hey, you know, we appreciate you going out there and doing this just to get something on TV and just kind of piggyback from there. Right, man. It, it is nice to see live sports on TV again. It's different. The KBO, you know, used to be one of those places where players could go kind of like to – have a resurgence in their career and push for uh, an eventual tryout with the MLB again. But 
there's there's a lot of players that I, that have stood out to me personally just watching it. You know, the, the 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 pace of the game is a little bit different, but the overall you know feeling that I've gotten watching it is is pretty similar. Now that the fans in the stands, did you see that they have like um, copied pictures of? Yes, they copied pictures yeah. of fans wearing masks and different <laughs> kind of colors. It's really cool. If you really pay, if you watch the game, you pay attention, you'll see little like poster board kind of people out there. They all have masks mask on. on. So. And all personnel who are not in uniform, like trainers, umpires, must wear masks and gloves. So at least they're doing, you know, a lot to show that they're following safety precautions and they're willing to go through the necessary procedures to keep everybody safe. But I thought it was pretty hilarious seeing those cutouts of those people in the sands, all the photos. It's pretty wild. You know, growing up, one of my favorite movies, uh, Mr. Baseball. If anybody remembers of Mr. Baseball, Tom Selleck. If anybody knows who Tom Selleck yes, is, sir. he got the old nice mustache. Uh, one of one of my favorite movies growing up. Um, he uh, in his movie in, in Mr. Baseball, he uh, he gets traded to a team in Japan, and it's kind of funny. I mean, it's kind of like well. You kind of get to experience in that movie what, you know, yes, it's Japan and Korea. I mean, I know they're two different countries, but you kind of see the aspect of the game right. there. The it's foreign really cool. aspect of a player going over there. And I've never seen the movie. Oh, when, yeah. when did it come out? It came out in 92. 92. Okay. Yes. I'm going to have to put that one on the list of movies to watch. But like, you know, like I said, Korean baseball, it's really similar to the MLB. Uh, you know, they talked about the, the Chinese league and the Japanese league uh, being on TV, but they said they're they're more a little bit more. They pay attention to more of the details of proper pitching, proper fielding, really the the very basics. While the Korean baseball, you're gonna see big hits, big plays. You know, you're gonna see what the MLB does, and I think that's a really good job that uh, that ESPN took a really good critical look at what. You know, trying to get something similar to what we watch every day here in America. So, I think I think if you're like if you're up in the morning, or if you're you know drinking coffee early in the morning, or having a late night, check it out. Check it out. Let us know how it. Uh, let us know who your favorite team is. Right now, I'm going for the the Dosun. Dosun. I, I don't even know how to say it, but that's I'm going for the wrong. Dinos or the Lions. Yeah, they got some really cool names, and like I said, they're all sp- sponsored. You know, it's all their sponsors by Samsung and LG. I mean, it's pretty cool how these they got some pretty big sponsorships. So check it out, you know, and then let us know. Uh, James is going to tell us the email at bombcity.lockerroomtalk at gmail.com. If you have any input or want to further this conversation, let us know, and we'll. We'll get you on, and we'll we'll talk some Korean baseball. Should be fun. We have been discussing the college playoff system and if it really is a good system to follow. And it's been a hot topic between the two of us. That's why we really thought we should discuss it on our podcast because we're such heavy college football fans, and it's a, always a subject of debate, especially when the season starts. And then when the season starts dwindling down, to December and we start having the final playoff rankings come out and all that. And then the conference championship starts, start being played. It's always a topic that we always discuss personally 
And I thought it would be a good idea for us to go in depth on how we feel about it and what we think will be best moving forward. So Aaron, how do you feel the college football playoff system should be structured versus how it already is with the four team format that we currently have? I mean, right now I like to see, I like to see our college playoff system extend for a while. I mean, especially in December, I mean, yes, I know we can have all these ball games and everything, but we can fit in these big games in between those ball games. Personally, I would like to see a 16-team playoff. That would be okay. really, really cool to see. I would agree that it would be cool to see. Now, will that realistically happen in the, in the near future? I don't know, but I do see an expansion of possibly to six to eight teams. My personal stance is – I want to see it um, expand to eight teams. You know, the new playoff system was put in place in the 2014 season. You know, it may not be perfect, but at least it's a good start. I am for the playoff, and I was I was excited that they finally did uh, get rid of the old BCS system and move on to a more realistic way of determining a champion. What I think is an eight-team playoff would be most ideal, Okay. And the reason I say that is because it will feature a champion from each Power 5 conference and an at-large to the highest-ranked Group of 5 team in the final playoff rankings and maybe two other at-large bids. So I think, you know, this is always a hot topic of to- conversation with should conference championships be valued? And I believe they should. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the conference championship is a big thing. That's why you play the game and you play the co- your conference. Conference championship means a lot. If you win that 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 game, you should get a bid. Kind of like college basketball. You win it, you get that bid into the big tournament. Right. And, you know, we put so much emphasis on the Power Five. Power Five rules, Right. Well, if you win your conference in a Power 5 conference, you deserve a bid into the playoff. But there's always two quality teams going head-to-head for every conference, and you can't go wrong with the top two teams. Now, some things are going to have to be formatted differently with with how the uh, conferences are set up. Maybe the divisions go away, and they just everybody pulls together and has a 10-team league much like the big 12 where everybody plays one another and you have a true champion one versus two that way there's no you know debate or confrontation about well this this team didn't play this team have everybody play each other and let everybody play it out on the field and then that will lead to the top two best teams in that conference well or you could do it the old school way and think about what juco's do the JUCO, uh, the JUCO football in the United States, in order to play in the championship, you have to be number one and number two in the nation. And the thing about it, record, yeah, you could be you could be undefeated, but yeah, you could miss being one or two in the JUCO standings. Uh, if anybody's ever watched uh, last last you. Oh yeah, it's a good show. That was one of the, that was an awesome show, and right. it showed a lot about what JUCO football is. And the one thing that they do is they have to go out there and they have to put butt whoopings on teams in order to get votes. Because at the end, you could be a ten and zero team, 
but you can be number three or number four because not all – I mean, you play your conference and then you'll play some non, non-conference non games, but you're not playing the number one or number two teams in the nation all the time. And I thought the JUCO system is a really cool system to see and, you know, respect because these guys, man, I mean, they're still trying – to get a scholarship. They're still trying to get noticed. Some, no, some are still trying to get noticed. And some right. are, yes, some messed up in the long run and trying to get that second chance again. That's why it's called Last last Chance U. And, you know, if you watch the first two seasons, it covers East Mississippi. And then the last two seasons, it covers Independence, uh, Kansas. And, uh, and man, it's it's a really good show if you're, uh, if you're interested. But it really shows the other level of the JUCO level. I know every athlete wants to be on that D1 aspect, but I look at here and I look at the uh, FCS uh, bowl standings over here. They play a 16-team bracket, and it's a really cool setup. They start at late November, and they finish in January. I mean, so they play quite a few games at the beginning, and then they get a break to get ready for the national championship. And every year I've watched the national championship of the FCS Bowl, and, man, it is a, always a really good game. And it's usually North Dakota State and James Madison. Those have been two top programs these last couple of years. And I know North Dakota State, man, they are a hell of a team to watch. And, I mean, I think they could compete with some of these. I'm not going to say they're going to go out and upset, but they could go out there and compete with some of these Power 5 teams. I agree. I agree. Now, it's interesting to think out of 129 FBS programs, there's only, you know, around 3% that have a chance at the end of the season to get into the playoffs at this point with the four-team format that we have. The FCS currently qualifies 20 teams, or about 16%. The Division II ranks currently qualifies 24 teams, or 14.5%. Division III currently qualifies 36 teams, or 15.1%. So... Doubling the FBS playoff contingent to eight teams, in my opinion, or just over over 6%. In fact, I think it would still rank on the FBS at the bottom of the playoff barrel. The Power Five conferences that they need to look at expanding, expanding the college football playoff. Even, even like James said, even if they go to a eight team, that would be, that would be fine. You know, I want to see some of these teams really step up and really show throughout December. I mean, just to sit around for a whole month, man, I mean, that's a lot of downtime right now. And, I mean, and I don't know. I mean, I like to – I want to see quality football because some of these bowl games, I mean, golly, some of the names you're getting, the the Red Box Bowl, you're getting the Pinstripe Bowl. He's the poinsettia bowl. I mean, I mean, I yeah, I see what you're saying. I do, I do think there are a little bit far and above too many bowls. However, I do think the bowls should remain, and I do think you know within an 18 playoff, have the six New Year bowls. You know, rotate. You know, you've got, you've got the Rose Bowl, you've got the Sugar Bowl, you've got the Peach Bowl. You've got the Orange Bowl. You've got the Cotton Bowl. So you have these historic bowl games who have been around forever. Those should remain, and I think those should be incorporated into an 18 playoff and then have maybe two other games um, or, or one other game at a home campus somewhere. 
mix it up a little bit. Have a, have a game on a college campus, a playoff game, and have that rotate as well. I think that would be kind of uh, unique and cool if they could incorporate something like that into one of those games throughout the playoff and just have those uh, bowl games on rotation, kind of like how they do now for the New Year's Six. Having a home having a home advantage on a bowl game would be really, really cool. Uh, a couple of years back, I got to see Texas Tech play Michigan State at the Alamo Bowl. Yes, there were quite a few Michigan State fans, but man, Texas Tech fans, man, we, man, we red and blacked that that whole Alamo Bowl, and it was like having a home home field advantage for Tech, and man, it, it was an incredible, incredible experience. Right, I bet that was really cool. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it was really cool. Going back to an eighteen bracket, kind of like a tournament, it can be done in just seven games and last four weeks, including a bye right before the title game to give those exactly. teams that make the, the championship game an extra week to recover and heal before that, that final championship game. I just think that there is a need for expansion, and I don't, I don't want college football to end up how college basketball ended up with expanding the playoffs. Uh, the playoff field in Division One has expanded 10 times since 1950 in college basketball, and the bracket contains just eight programs. Remember the, the good old days when the first round was the first round? Now we have to actually check out our brackets and try to figure out what everyone is, is talking about with these first and second round games. Currently, 68 teams make the basketball tournament more than any other sport at any level. I mean, I, I think if we just get two in over our heads with the football side of it, it could be detrimental to the sport having a comfortable amount, 8 to 12, I think would be ideal. But I'm still holding on to my 8. What do you think? I mean, I don't think football would do that. I mean, I think it would stay at a de- decent number. I don't think they will keep adding on, like, college basketball. With the college basketball, so much different. You know, we've seen the number one or number one team get upset by a number 16 team. People want to see Cinderella stories and big upsets. That's why basketball is basketball. I mean, especially in the March Madness, it, any, anything goes at any game. I mean, yes, there are blowouts, but, man, there's some games that will go all the way to, over, you know, triple overtime, double over, and it just keeps going. And that's something that I, I kind of saw the men's basketball and women's basketball do that because they want to see some Cinderella story. They want to see these small programs see that, man, they can compete. Because in basketball, you can. I right. mean, you, you just got to go out there, and like I said, you got to play your butt off. But football, on the other hand, you kind of know who's going to win that day. You really do. Now, it's still any given, you know, Saturday, you know, or whatever you want to say. But it's still, there's you know, there's still mismatches and everything like that. There's still a game plan that you can go out there and execute and dominate over that team. Right. And the biggest knock that these, you know, independents or – FCS schools or group of five, they just don't have the depth that the, these big prominent division one universities have. And these programs have when a James Madison goes up against an Alabama or a South Dakota goes up against an Oklahoma, you know, there have been instances where there have been upsets Appalachian state against Michigan, but they cannot sustain four quarters with the amount of talent they have and the lack of depth that they have to compete. Now, I do want to see them, though, have that opportunity with having a bid to get into a college football playoff because they do earn that right. If they, if they win all 
11, 12 games of their season, they deserve a shot to win it all. Just like Boise State, how many times Boise State has been left out. And then Boise State in 2006 playing Oklahoma and proving to the nation, hey, we're a legitimate contender here. Our program is not all what you say it is. We took down almighty Oklahoma, and, and, and you know it hurt me to death being a Sooners fan, but they took us down in overtime in the Fiesta Bowl. With a platform that like that, I feel a lot of teams can rise above and, and overcome the lack of depth, the lack of talent, just by sheer heart and the will to win. I just think if the FBS doesn't expand to like 24 or 36 teams, the, the importance of the regular season will, will still remain. And that's another thing I want to get into is the importance of the regular season. I know that for a college football playoff, it needs to remain significant. And if we just get too big, it may not matter as much. What do you think? Exactly. I mean, they can get to the point where you're just losing interest. And I mean, and that's something that we, you know, as college football fanatics, I don't want to lose interest and I don't want to see a system just bomb, you know, because right. I mean, I know that there is a money game in, you know, into college football and it is a big money maker for a lot of these universities. They depend on a lot of the, what football does for their, for them in the school. So, but at the same time, like you said, you can lose the interest really, really quick. Right. We need the interest to be on every game, every season, and with an 18 playoff or 16 team, like you said, I think 16 teams is is probably the limit. And maybe we can get there in the next 10 or 15 years, but I'm hoping for that expansion to happen to eight teams, hopefully by 2030. Hopefully we expand it more than four by then because we, we need a, another – you know, new system to be in place. The four teams has worked. It's been beneficial to really iron out who deserves to be number one, but we need to give other teams a chance. We need to give that group of five and an at-large bid to get in. And we need the, the conference championships from every power five conference to be in that thing. I don't care if you have Kansas winning the big 12 with four losses. If they win the big 12, they deserve to compete just like a UCF that's undefeated. UCF that's undefeated has a has a legitimate, you know, reason to be in the playoff. And Kansas being in a Power Five conference, competing against top Division One programs, you know, in a ten-team league, they deserve to be in as well, even though they've lost four games. But I just think to get that seventh and eighth spot, the group of five teams, it's just going to have to come down to who's ranked the highest. And if a UCF is undefeated and they're ranked the highest, they deserve to get in. Now, last thing we're going to talk about, I might not be the biggest fan, but, man, I sure do love playing it, golf. Oh, yeah. And, you know, golf, man, it's relaxing. You get out there. You just, you just make yourself a nice cold beer. You drink it up, and then you just play a little bit of golf, and you just try your best. That's all I try to do every time I go out there. Get out there, enjoy nature, enjoy the nice day and just have fun with your buddies. That's that's what golf is to me. I'm not and never have been a competitive golf person. I play at the par 3 course here in town and I'm oh, not very and good. You got to go out to the the courses here in Emerald. They are very nice, but pretty difficult. Right. I've been per- to Comanche pretty- Trails before and I've been to Ross Rogers, but I hadn't been to the other ones. So Which what- one in your opinion is the most difficult? The most difficult one, I think, is the their Comanche, the Wild Horse uh, Trail. 
that's probably the hardest course. It's really tough. A lot of uh, narrow fairways, a lot of r- l- tough roughs, a lot of tall grasses. So it's one of the hardest ones uh, here in this area. But switching back to, you know, not watching a bunch of idiots try to golf and drink beer. In all seriousness, we are going to be getting a little bit of golf coming up here pretty soon in the month of May. But we're not looking at a tour championship or a big golf event, you know, the FedEx Cups or anything like that. What we're looking at is a pair, two pairs of players playing against each other. Now, we're looking at two of the best top golfers in the world. And also, they're going to be pairing out with two of the best quarterbacks to ever play the NFL. Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Yes, and Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. So let me get this straight. This is going to be a benefit for coronavirus relief efforts. Is that right? Yes, this is going to be a charity golf match. Uh, Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning are going to pair up, and they're going to face Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady. Uh, Something about Tom Brady um, wants another shot at Peyton Peyton Manning on the golf course. I guess he's never beaten uh, Peyton. interesting. So he wants a shot, in which I was like, wow, that's pretty interesting to see that, you know, yeah, I mean, Brady has beaten, you know, Peyton plenty of times in football, but I guess he wants that next step in golf too. Right. So right now, I mean, they have said right now there's not a confirmed date yet or a location, but they are saying it's going to be held in in Florida. It is going to be televised on TNT. So, you know, like I said, if – Something to watch here pretty soon. Hopefully, you know, keep up with your Twitters, your Instagram, anything that we get, we'll make sure to post it up. And uh, if not, you know, check your SPN, check your uh, Bleach Reporters, you know, see when this game's going to go on because, you know, this is going to be pretty fun to see two great former, uh, well, not really even former, what Peyton is, but Brady. He's still in it. He's still still in it. So I know. So, you know, to see him try to play golf, you know, especially with Tiger Woods and Phil. I mean, those two. You know, many masters, many open championships. I mean, they, I mean, who better to play with? I mean, these are the guys to play with. Right. And who do you think will come out on top? I'm a Tiger Woods fan. I've always been. And I mean, that's why I've always been the biggest fan with him because even when he was going through his tough time, man, I would pray for him just to get out of that run, to get it, you know, and to win a championship. And when he won the masters a couple of years ago, Man, I mean, I, I shed tears because that was huge. It, I remember it goes, that. It yeah. goes to show that, you know, yeah, you're gonna. He hit rock bottom. He hit rock bottom he at did. one point. He did. And his golf game was, I mean, not only was bad, but you know, he had to do some surgeries with his back and things like that. I mean, it, it was a very who 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 knew if he was gonna come back. You, you know, right. You hate to see a guy finish at the bottom, but. Now Tiger's not going to be like that. He's not at the bottom. He finished. Now he's going to finish at the top, and he can finish whenever he wants to. And it's a testament to what type of athlete he is. That's one of the biggest uh, comeback stories that you know I've heard throughout my lifetime is just the the amount of dysfunction that he was going through to come back to win a championship later down the road, late in his career. I mean, let's face it, he's getting to the end of the road. He's he's about to hang up his clubs, and he's going to be done. No, you say that, but there's, the, there's still the senior PGA, too. Right. I mean, you – But to compete with the young talent that's out there, I mean – Exactly, and that's the thing. The young talent coming up, they are good. They are really good, actually. I mean, you got Roy McIlroy. You got, you got plenty of guys around here, 
that man, they just they put on a great, great show, and there's some great. You know, one of my favorite golfers that I like to watch is Ricky Fowler. Man, he's uh, man, he's one of my favorite golfers to watch. If I'm not rooting for Tiger, I'm rooting for Ricky. So your all-time favorite golfer is Tiger Woods. Would you uh, say that? Absolutely. It's just like Michael Jordan. I grew up watching him as a kid and idolized what he did on the golf course. Well, for me, it's always going to be John Daly, you know. <laughs> Nothing beats a good whiskey and cigarette on the golf course, That's right? That's right, brother. <laughs> His antics never got old to me. Oh, never. But yeah. he, he's, oh, he's still a hell of a golfer, too, where he's at. Right. He's a character for sure. But all right, guys. Well, you know, that kind of wraps up our time. We, I mean, today we just want to give you some some hype and some uh so stuff that me and James had on our on our chest for a little while. We we uh, we'd like to hear some comments back, maybe on our social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, even our email, James. Right, and the feedback that we've gotten already from you guys has been great. So if if you guys could provide us with any more type of feedback or conversations that you'd like to have with us, we are encouraging you to bring it to us and email us at bombcity.lockerroomtalk at gmail.com. We're more than happy to reach out to you guys. You know, right now we're both educators and we have a lot of time on our hands. So we're trying to get as many podcasts to you guys as possible. So if you have any topic ideas or if you want to be on the show, I know a lot of people are reluctant to come in person, but if you would like to do it over the phone or through Skype, we can always do that as well. This has been Bomb City Locker Room Talk. And thank you for listening to Locker Room Hype.